We are the agency, the agent, the vehicle through which the kingdom of God comes. When the kingdom, I believe, is declared, the church is built. You want the church to stand and be strong, preach the kingdom, and the church will be built. When we proclaim His kingdom, the result is church is built. The kingdom is our priority, and out of that proclamation, people are called out, the body, ecclesia, to embrace Christ's lordship. So again, friends, we need a kingdom-shaped view of the church, not a church-shaped view of the kingdom. Don't get distracted with the upkeep of the church at the expense of advancing the kingdom of God. We need to fix and adjust, but we have a mission to advance the kingdom for the king. So in all this, what is the kingdom? Well, I I don't fully understand it, I must say. Uh, I don't believe it's this mystified, mystical thing that we don't know what we're about and don't know what we're doing. I, I think in its simplicity, the kingdom is the rule and reign of God. It doesn't make sense. Wherever the king rules, that's the kingdom. Wherever God rules and reigns. And how many of you know, we say, you reign above it all, you reign. That's kingdom. That's a kingdom song right there. He reigns and rules. Wherever he rules and reigns, wherever God rules and reigns, that's the kingdom of God. So people say, oh, you guys are kingdom now. Yes, now and not yet. I believe we'll fully have the kingdom come when Jesus fully, when he returns. But I also believe that there's kingdom now. How do I know that? Because of my salvation. When he rules and reigns, when I gave my life to Jesus and he took rule and reign of my life, kingdoms come. When we pray for sick people, and if you're sick tonight, I would love to pray for you, and you get healed, kingdoms come. When marriages are restored, kingdoms come. When finances are sorted out, not by ripping off the government and not paying your taxes to the IRS, when you do it biblically, kingdoms come. The rule and reign of God's come, and it needs to come in us and keep coming in us so it can come through us as we advance the kingdom and bring the rule and reign of God to everywhere else. God's reign through God's people over God's place, that's the kingdom. The kingdom is that territory of which a king reigns. It's the governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, his purpose, his intent, producing a culture of values and morals and lifestyle that reflect the king's desire and nature for his people. Can I just tell you about this kingdom for a moment? This kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. Jesus came as a servant king to win the hearts of people, but someday he'll return as the absolute king of every kingdom and nation. But it's an upside-down kingdom. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve, and most of his people could not accept him as the king because it was so different to how they expected it. This kingdom is not like a kingdom here on earth, and somehow the church embraces what the world's doing, and we play along. We're not like them. This kingdom is very different. It's upside down. It's wonderful. It's a grassroots kingdom. Jesus came for every person, every woman, every man, the poor, the broken, the least, and the lost of society. It's not for an exclusive few. It's for all. It's a salt and light kingdom. Two kingdoms are in conflict. How many of you know that? It's, it's, we should not be surprised by the opposition we carry. We should, we should not be surprised by the battle that is blazing. Why? Because kingdom people understand 
They're two kingdoms in conflict. We can't coexist. We're not side by side, pick a kingdom. It's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And the two are clashing. And the world is too strong for a divided church because kingdom people have the same enemy and it's not each other. Are you there? Francis Schaeffer says, we are locked in a battle. This is not a friendly gentleman's game. It is a life and death conflict between the spiritual hosts of wickedness and those who claim the name of Christ. C.S. Lewis says, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by the devil. You cannot take kingdom ground without opposition. So realize part of the opposition we face is not against people, flesh and blood, spiritual things. But that's what the battle's about. The world is too strong for us to be divided, friends. It's an incarnation kingdom. Jesus lived amongst His people. He came and walked amongst His people. We're not separate. Stay away. We go and mix with these people to advance the kingdom. It's a transformational kingdom. It's a discipleship kingdom. And so on. All right. So everyone I've met says, yeah, we are kingdom. Of course we are. We believe. Well, can I suggest a few signs to show that we really are kingdom? What are some of the signs of the kingdom of God? Well, the best and the first is the sovereignty of Jesus. The sovereignty of Jesus is a true sign of the kingdom of God. So much of the kingdom preaching today presents a kingdom with a vacant throne. We love talking kingdom, but it's almost like the kingdom is missing something called the king. I just want to tell you that the kingdom has no value or worth and does not exist without the main ingredient being the king. And I've listened and watched and I've wondered why is it that we've got to keep bringing Jesus back? Why do we default from Jesus and get so busy with stuff for Jesus, always at the expense of Jesus? Maybe it's because we haven't preached kingdom. Because when you get kingdom, you understand the main sign of a kingdom is a king. We wouldn't have to keep, where's Jesus in this and that? Jesus would take His rightful place if we were a kingdom people who understand. If you're a church people, Jesus gets tagged on and, oh yeah, Christmas, oh yeah, Easter, we better talk about Jesus. Then we get back to ministry for Him at the expense of Him. It happens quickly, friends. It happened in the church, the early church. It happened to some of the churches we read of that were birthed in this revelation of Christ. One of the churches is Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, birthed Acts 18 and 19. The, hell, the name of the Lord was held in high honor, it says. In that city, people feared the church, feared God. Jesus was glorified. But 20, 30, maybe 40 years later, Jesus is looking at that church and says, you've done this well, you've done this well, you've done this well. But the one thing you haven't done well is you forgot about me. Well, so how do you forget about him? Because if he's not the king, it's easy to replace the king with a ministry or a gifting or a personality or something other than the king. And as an American to an American, can I say this? COVID exposed the foundation of the church in our great nation. 
The foundation of the church in our great nation perhaps has been built around personalities or charismatic gifting or ministries or something other than the true foundation being Jesus Christ. Now we have this great opportunity coming out of this of reconnected with our head, bridegroom king. We've reconnected with our head, and we keep saying a body without a head is a corpse. Now we have our head in place. Now we've reconnected, and we need to contend for Jesus to be king over everything every single day of our lives. That's the church Jesus is building based on the revelation of Jesus. An actual fact in Matthew 16 is one of those texts that really has stirred me, and I loved it because it talks about the church. It's the first time in history Jesus speaks of the church. But he asked the question in Matthew 16, what do people say about me? So some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or Elisha or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? He was talking to his disciples, and Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because God, that didn't come to you by any man, but by my Father in heaven. And then he said, and now I will call you Peter. I will change your name. Your identity changes because you know, know who I am. And he said, I will build my church, not on you, Peter, but on your revelation of me, Peter. Right? But then he says, and I'm giving you the keys, not to the kingdom, of the kingdom. And again, give me a bit of leeway here this evening. I believe what Jesus was saying is, now that you know who I am, you're trustworthy with the revelation of me. I now can trust you with the kingdom of God. You get to administrate something of my kingdom here on earth. Not because you're worthy, not because you're good, because you know who I am and you're faithful with that revelation. See, the revelation of Jesus gives us the ability to administrate His kingdom here on earth. And I'm telling you, we're here to advance the kingdom for the king so the king can come back, to bring the rule and reign. But it's going to come from a people who understand the sovereignty of the king. He reigns above everything. If we're church-focused, we are the focus. If we're kingdom-focused, He will always be the focus. Do you agree? Secondly, not only the sign is the sovereignty of the king, most important sign. Second one is the spreading of the gospel. See, we, we have evangelists on this team, and I'm sure if they get to share this week, they're going to stir us and challenge, and it's good and it's needed. But we don't need to fly evangelists in all the time to stir us, to tell people about our king if we understand kingdom. It's what we do because we don't have anything else to talk about. We need to be spreading the gospel. Kingdom people tell others about their king. Not about their church, about their king. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus talking about end times, and he said these things will begin to happen. The best teaching on end times is Jesus' teaching, all right? So read the books, read the Bible, and it'll tell you what's going to happen. Jesus said that if these things will begin to happen, and they will be signs as the beginning of the end. It's not the end, the beginning. And then he said, and this gospel, Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations, all ethnos, all ethnic groups. 
and then the end will come. See, there's some people perhaps in this room who've come alive in this last season because you love the end time stuff. And we need you, so thank you for being that person. And this is it, Mark of the Beast. Vaccines and passports and, you know, and 666, here we go, and Antichrist. And I'm not mocking you and all those things, and there's realities, I'm sure. But if you don't have a revelation of who Jesus is and an an incorrect view of Jesus, you have an incorrect view of end times. Because Jesus plays a major role in end times. In actual fact, so does His church, so does His people, and so does this mission. And they all line up when it comes to end times. So that's why we've got to keep coming back to the revelation of Jesus, to have a correct view of everything else. A correct view of Jesus gives us a correct view of everything else. But we get to tell people, and this gospel must be preached to the lost and the unreached, friends. And that's why we need battleships, not cruise ship battleships, to say there are people in our cities, that's why you're there, to reach those people because they are lost and Jesus came for the lost. So you are where you are. You're working where you are. You're ministering where you are. You're living where you are because handpicked by heaven for such a time as this to reach those lost people and help them find Christ. And most of us get excited about the lost, but God's also about the unreached. And they're not the same. <laughs> lost people live in our cities and they say, again, I know I've said this stat three times this week. This is my third time. But in, within a 24-hour period in a Western culture, including the United States, someone somewhere will have the ability to hear the gospel preached within 24 hours in any city in the United States. That's the lost. They say the unreached. Every 30-something years, one person might have the privilege of hearing the gospel preached once. We need battleships to take territory and get this gospel of the kingdom to the uttermost parts of the earth and to the cities where we live so Jesus can come back for His people. Kingdom living, kingdom revelation gets us to live beyond ourselves. Would you agree? Someone said it's the whole business of the whole church to preach the whole gospel to the whole world. Spurgeon said this, so get mad at him even though he's dead. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. You're either trying to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all. She says, it cannot be that there's a high appreciation of Jesus and a totally silent tongue about Him. He who says he believes in Jesus but does not think enough of Jesus ever to tell others about Him is an imposter, Charles Spurgeon says. Don't come fight me, he's dead, he said it. But think about that, that's offensive to me. I don't want to be an imposter. Well, if we're not spreading and advancing the kingdom... Perhaps that's what we are, friends. Are you okay? Come back tomorrow. Someone else is preaching. They will love you through this. 
If I can just say this about the gospel too. Saying, like St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I love what he was saying, but that's not biblically right. We are called to preach and declare the gospel. Preach the gospel, declare and live it, yes. I know what he was saying. But it's kind of like saying to, to someone, go feed the poor and if, uh, if necessary, feed the hungry and if necessary, give them some food. How many of you know they need food if they're hungry? So I understand that notion of why he said that, but I want to just tell you, we're called to preach and declare the gospel of the kingdom. Demonstrate it, but preach it and declare it. Don't just go be it and hope they ask us. This I want to remind you is the gospel is not about making bad people good. It's dead people become alive by the gospel. That's what the kingdom is about. Thirdly, and I want to bring me into this, and some of you are going to get nervous now, but it's in there, signs, wonders, and miracles. And I want to just say, if we are church-focused, we don't need those things because we all believe. If we're kingdom-focused, God wants to demonstrate His kingdom to people by signs and wonders and miracles. It's not something we go after. It's something that should follow after us. But if we're kingdom and true kingdom, then we can't truly be kingdom without signs, wonders, and miracles. I know we've seen some weird stuff. I understand there's some weird things out there. I get all that. But kingdom people demonstrate the kingdom to all people. You know, you know this. We've all said this. If I can talk someone into the kingdom, someone can talk someone out, out of the kingdom. Why? Because you can't convince someone by words. But I want to tell you, you know this. When there's a demonstration of the kingdom of God, a healing, a sign, and a wonder, and a miracle, America is ripe for miracles. And we don't need to fly evangelists in from the other countries to come tell us how awesome and to learn how to do signs, wonders, and miracles. We simply need to step out in faith and let God be God by demonstrating what God wants to do. That's our season. And if you want to run from it because of a bad experience, I ask you, please, come back to kingdom. Let's not leave people with indecision. They need to decide. And a way to decide is watch what God can do. Are you there? Someone said, we preach for the absence of criticism rather than for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be criticized. We don't want people to misjudge. So we, we just play the game. Friends, we need the presence. We need to preach and we need to show people by demonstrating signs, wonders, and miracles. Zechariah 4.6, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. It's not going to be the might of your people, the numbers. It's not going to be the position you carry, is what uh, the prophet was saying to King Cyrus. It's going to be by not a spirit, not the spirit, my spirit. And I say that because I think there are spirits in the church. But they don't necessarily mean they're his spirit. Forgive me if you're offended by that. I, I think that the spirit of this age has gripped the church in our great nation rather than the Spirit of Christ. We need the Spirit of Christ to be demonstrated again. God wants to show people that He's alive, He's well. Jesus has made a way, and He wants to demonstrate that again. Have you got faith for that? Do you believe for that? See, the gospel of the kingdom is one of power. It must become manifest through supernatural demonstration. 
Philippians, he said, a society that denies the supernatural usually ends up elevating the natural to supernatural status. If we deny the supernatural, or we say it used to be, and the early church had it, but we don't have it, that's pretty convenient. Because if we don't have it, then we don't have to do anything. We have the same power the early church had. God didn't say, I'm going to birth the church in power, and then mm, I'm going to take the spirit away. Now you guys do, the, do your fleshy thing and live it out. I'm not mocking. It's nuts, the, the, the stuff we've been taught. And they're good people, but theologically, we have power. The Holy Spirit is not an optional extra for deluxe Christians. He's not, friends. He's God. What will we do with God, the Holy Spirit? He's as God as the other two. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What will we do with God, the Holy Spirit? We will open our hearts for God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us, to demonstrate that Jesus is alive and well today. (laughs) It's time for America to come back to the truth. We've been lied to. We've been duped. We've believed. No one wants this. God wants to demonstrate this. And God wants us to be His, those who will advance His kingdom by demonstrating. Declared and demonstrated. We need to come back to our radical edge. I I do believe that, friends. Bring in healing and deliverance and signs and wonders. It's not we go after them. They should be happening daily. I've listened to some guys even in this room who've talked to me. When they got saved, the stuff that happened, and they laid hands on them. I mean, I was listening to one of my friends who's now newly partnering with NCMI. He's here today. He came from Colorado to be here. He was telling me some of his story. I had lunch with him the other day, just how when he got saved, all this stuff, and people, demons and manifestations, not going after it, just happening, and no one taught him anything. And then he got a hold, pastors got a hold of him and told him that stuff shouldn't happen, and he put it all aside to become a good leader and do the church thing, and he lost all that. And now we've been talking, and he's heard me talk on kingdom, and he's come alive saying, I've got to get back to that day in and day out rather than just leading a handful of people on a Sunday. Somehow we, the church, just kind of get you, get back to cruise ship. Don't, people don't like that. They don't want to be rocked. God wants to demonstrate His kingdom through His people, signs, wonders, and miracles. And if there's some of us say, well, look, we want the spirit stuff, but we don't like the kind of abnormal stuff. It's kind of like saying, I want to swim, but I don't want to get wet. <laughs> Next sign quickly. Salvation through being born again. I wish I I didn't even have to share this, but we need to, because somehow we forgot about being born again. I don't know when last I heard someone talk about being born again. I really don't. I think we've reduced salvation to, do you want to get saved? And maybe that's why people aren't seeing the kingdom. Because Jesus said, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom. And Nicodemus was his teacher going, does that mean I have to go back to my mother's womb? Because he couldn't understand. And Jesus was saying, it's not about that. But being born again is essential because it's kind of showing us we inherit our parents, our father's genes. Meaning we we get their DNA, and if we don't understand that we are now born from above, born again, we are jumping through all these hoops. Someone asked me this afternoon, a conversation with a young man who said to me, Tyrone, help me understand, 
I feel like I'm always doubting my salvation. And I, I said, I know pastors like that. And it's because we've been taught you have to do all these things to be saved. And I said to this young man, if you have done anything to be saved, then you better uh, doubt your salvation every day. But we're not saved by making promises to Him. We are saved by believing His promise to us. That's where you are. Don't question your salvation if you believe He's done what He said He's done. There's where you're saved. But we must be born again. Meaning we don't jump through hoops to one day become something God called us to be. If I'm born again, I'm not the dude I was before Jesus. I don't have to come out of that and walk through that. And then one day, hopefully before Jesus come back, get into this kingdom dynamic. And then, No, no, I'm transferred. I'm saved into, I'm born again. I'm not that bad dude anymore. I'm a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. I start there. Not there and keep trying to jump through the hoops. Maybe this will, will, will shock us. Some of us are always wanting to go back to the cross. I've heard people say, you need to go back to the cross. We did. Fall on your knees at the cross. Well, I want to tell you the cross is essential in the kingdom of God. But it's the entrance into the kingdom. It's not where we stay. Without the cross, no salvation, no entrance to the kingdom. But come out of your knees and come into the kingdom and worship Jesus not where He was, but where He is. And He's not on the cross. He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. Come into the kingdom and worship the King. The cross is essential. But we're not called to live our lives at the foot of the cross. You've got no chance of walking out the kingdom revelation and dynamic here on earth if you're always at the foot of the cross. Are you there? The cross is the entrance. Without it, we have nothing. But Jesus has called us into His kingdom. Born from above. This rebirth is critical for our understanding of gospel and kingdom. Children inherit the attributes of their parents. To be a child of God is not a small thing. I'm not just saved, I'm a child of God, which means I represent God, which means I'm a new creation. The old is gone. And we, the church, need that revelation because we get told you this, you that, you were that, and we keep going back. Come in, get free, see the kingdom, be born again. Christians are living epistles that everyone can read. That's who you were, but now you are someone else. Different. Kingdom of God provides this holistic, I think, understanding of salvation, including not only where we save from, but also we save for. Not just saved out of and saved into, but saved for. We save from death for life. We save from shame for glory. We save from slavery for freedom. We save from sin for following our Savior. We're saved from the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of light. To be saved into God's kingdom is to embrace God's comprehensive rule over every aspect of our lives. 
And this is a far cry from merely asking Jesus into our hearts. It means a new life, a new identity, a new kingdom. Are you there? Fifthly, quickly, this is a, if you weren't happy about that one, then this will not bless you. A sign of kingdom, true kingdom, is suffering for the king and for the kingdom. Now people are, you, now you're going Old, Old Testament on us, Tyrone. No, no. In the New Testament, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, the message that was preached to the disciples and to the people, and Paul's message in Acts 14 verse 21, was that we must go through many hardship to enter the kingdom of heaven. Their message of encouragement was hardship. Here's what I've found. If people have a church revelation alone, and it's about the church, they fall away in trouble. But if they understand kingdom, they endure hardship for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We must go through many hardships, they said, in order to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, 10 and 11 talks about blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it talks about those who have been persecuted for me, they will be blessed. But let me tell you, not all persecution is because of us living kingdom. Some of it's just our stupidity. Are you with me? I'm not trying to be rude, but many of us, I'm persecuted for the Lord. No, you're persecuted because you've been unhelpful. (laughs) How's that? You like that, huh? Let me quickly get to a couple more. Another one is sending out and multiplying. Kingdom people are sent and they multiply. I believe a church without a kingdom vision eventually becomes selfish and self-serving. Whenever we start out with this great heart, great intention, if we become church-focused, suddenly it's, what's in it for me? Cruise ship. Even if our hearts are good, eventually self-serving and selfish. But kingdom is always, how can we reach? How can we help? What can we do for the king? Again, I said, the church is not a waiting room for heaven. We're not here waiting for heaven. We've been given a mandate here on earth to advance the kingdom so the king can come back. So we need that kingdom-shaped view of the church, not a church-shaped view of the kingdom. You know, guys, let me just say this. If we're about the church, it's about growth. If we're about the kingdom, it's about impact. If we're about the church, addition. Kingdom, multiplication. Church, get. Kingdom, give. Church, keep. Kingdom, release. Church, goal-orientated. Kingdom, Christ-orientated. Church, shakeable. Kingdom, unshakable. Church, branding. Kingdom, glorifying. Church, pressure. Kingdom, presence. Church, excellence. Kingdom, authentic. Church, Full buildings, kingdom for the earth. Church, control, kingdom, order. Church, implodes, kingdom, empowers. Church, gather, kingdom, go. Church, stay, kingdom, send. Church leaders of the church, kingdom, church leaders in the world. Church, please her, kingdom, please him. And lastly, a life of significance. 
They say, and again, I don't know who they are, so let's quote them. <laughs> they say the first 40 years of our lives are all about success. We do what we can to be successful. And then when you hit around 40, some earlier, some later, we begin to question a whole lot of stuff. It's called midlife crisis. And suddenly we begin to ask the question, not what is success, what is significance? Right? And suddenly you're like, what's the point? And what's, I'm rich, I, I'm famous, I've got everything, but I, I have no significance. Well, why don't we get better from early ages of being successful in significant things? Here's the only way that can happen, is getting on with kingdom stuff. Kingdom living gives significance to everyday life. Every day, not Sunday, not who got to preach on Sunday. I mean, friends, I love that. I love the local church. You're hearing me. We're not either or. We need both. But if it's church focus, and then who got to minister? They the blessed one. Who got to lead worship? There's like an hour and a half, and some of these unholy churches do like an hour and ten minutes or whatever. But. Like, <laughs> It's getting shorter, and there's less people who get to minister. So if we church focus, we feel no value unless we're the one doing that. That's what the church will do if that's the focus. The kingdom is, that's essential. Gathering is essential. But wherever we're serving, doing what God's called us to do, it is as significant as this man standing here tonight preaching to you. Kingdom gives significance to every person on the planet. Are you with me? I'm not... Diminishing our need for leaders and pastors and church. It's essential. Jesus is building His church. But don't see your role as serving in the church as your significance. See your role as a kingdom person through the church. It's, it's as essential. That's where your significance. You will find significance regardless of your role in the local church. And that's what we need. People to understand significance. And God gives us that because we're part of a kingdom. Now, through this crazy COVID season, I've been stuck at home, and I like my home. I love Denver. I've actually experienced all four seasons for the first time in 12 years. We have four seasons. I didn't know that. I heard about them, but I was never there for them. Now I've experienced it a couple of times, and it's beautiful. It's the greatest. Anyway, I'll move on. But, but I've been stuck at home, and I've been stuck with daily duties, I didn't get to go preach the gospel to the nations and go and preach to conferences and stand on stages and feel really important. I suddenly had to find significance in being at home and the day-to-day -day stuff. And so I did go to the gym, and, and you can tell I've been working out, right? And, uh, <laughs> but I've been connecting, and I'm telling you, I've met some friends and some people and befriended lost people. Many lost, broken saddened, lonely men and women. Of, and here's what I found. The gym I go to, most of those people seem to have money. They're older and they're rich, but they are absolutely no significance in their lives. And I've sit with guys who are multi-millionaires. And I talk to them and I ask them. I, have you ever wanted to ask a millionaire or billionaire what they do with their time? I've tried, I've said, tell me what you do. And the guy's literally confessed, nothing. 60-year-old, retired, he's got money, he's so rich, his wife bought him, without him knowing, a Corvette, brand new Corvette for his 60th birthday. You've got to have money if you don't know someone bought you that car, just so you know. 
And so he drives past me one day, I'm walking, and he shows me this bright orange Corvette. I'm like, wow, where'd you? My wife bought this for a surprise for me for my 60th. I mean, he's just got the toys, he's got the houses, he's got the luxury, he's got everything. Yet he has absolutely no significance in his life. He's a devout churchgoer to some, not Christian church, another church. He does all the stuff they require of him, yet he has no significance. He's bought into that, but he has no significance to his life. He sits at home and waits for his wife to come home, and he drinks and he drinks. And I walk past his house, he's always drunk. He's an alcoholic. He has everything, yet he has nothing. Are you with me? Why? No significance. Why? No kingdom understanding. Why? Does all the stuff required, but not happy. I'm telling you, it's in the church too, friends. I believe God wants to bring significance back to our lives, regardless of the role you play. It matters in the kingdom if you're doing what God's called you to. And you've got to find significance in that. And the kingdom gives you significance. Are you with me? We land with this. I was going to tell us how to live in it, but we're not going to get there. Read the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray. I, I, I don't want to say... Do this as a ritual, but do this daily. I've taken this again back to daily. I used to pray this and I stopped praying it and I realized I became all these other things focused. I preached. The thing we launched our church in, I stopped preaching and I got bought into the American culture. Don't preach that. I listened to Americans tell me, don't say this. Calm down, calm down, back up, love us, tell us how awesome we are, we'll follow you. I'm not mocking. It's this cultural thing. Andrew Godfrey's in this room here. Where are you there, Andrew? He's one of the elders at Redemption City in Colorado. They were leading a church when we moved to Denver. They were leading a church down the south of Colorado. And he came to me one day and he said, Tyron, because I'd moved there and we planted Redemption City. And he said to me, Tyron, I'm asking you, please, don't allow the culture to shrink you. We need you to stay big so we can stay big with you. And I'm telling you, I'm like, what are you talking about? Who's going to shrink me? And I'm telling you, little by little, don't say that, don't do that, don't talk kingdom, don't talk price, don't talk. And I'm not mocking, we began to shrink. Can't do that. And one day I realized it's because we stopped talking kingdom. Kingdom will not allow you to shrink. And I'm not having a go at Americans. The Americans are big thinkers, and they want to get on with it. I love this country for many reasons, but one of them is because Americans say, we can do this, we are the world, what do we want to do? Other countries, I've got to convince people. Yeah, they convince. We are it. Yeah, of course we can do that. We can do whatever we want. We're American. I like that. I like that. It's a good thing. People call it arrogance. I think it's confidence. We need big thinkers to stay big, but we need to be involved in the kingdom stuff. Are you there? Perhaps we've allowed the culture to shrink us. The Lord says tonight, kingdom is what matters to the, what I've called you. So go re- pray Matthew 6. Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today my daily bread. And forgive us 
Uh, how does it go? Forgive us today our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation. I didn't have to worry about that one. But deliver us for evil, for yours is... The, uh, whatever. I, I just... I should have preached it. You need... You need to pray us, yes. Yes, okay. You just read the Bible and you'll see what he said. But can I say, I know people who, who quote that in the day in and day out. I don't think it's the, in the quoting. It's the attitude behind the prayer. If you pray in your kingdom come every day, I'm telling you, friends, we will live for the kingdom of God. Because that prayer forces us to have to live out what we're praying. We're about the kingdom. We need to come back to the kingdom. We really do, friends. It starts with us. And so I land with this. Sheetal, will you come and just share the word you sent me? Because it fits right in. It's almost like she read my mail. So let's read your mail. No pressure. You know the, the one you sent me, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Today. Um, so earlier I was reading in Ephesians 6, and we all know the scripture about the armor of God. The part that caught my mind was asking us to put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. And the picture I had was of people wearing shoes that were comfortable home shoes, kind of like those Birkenstocks that you only wear at home. They're only good for wearing around the house, but they were comfortable. And I saw people taking off their shoes and putting on trail running shoes, shoes that took you outside your comfort zone, outside what was familiar, into new territories and new places. And I just really felt that God was calling us to equip ourselves for the more that he's calling us to, to remind us that we are to be a sent people who are nimble, and that this is not just for us to take the gospel as people who plant churches or who are in full-time ministry. I felt specifically that this was for people in the marketplace, to be reminded that we are a sent people and to think bigger, that our our boundary lines, our comfort zones are not the comfort zones of the kingdom, that our comfort zones are not determined by our bosses or where we work. Our boundary lines are determined by the kingdom, and God's kingdom is advancing, and it's advancing forcefully, and it's for us to take it and go. Well done. Let's stand, please. Let's stand together, friends. I'd love to just pray for us as we leave, if that's cool. How's that for a word that... She sent me probably 4.30 this afternoon while I was preparing. I got so excited, I thought I have to let her share that because that's pretty much what I came to preach. This is not limited to the people who lead local churches. This is for everyone to serve the purposes of God and about the kingdom of God. Can we lift our hands? Is that okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the glory and the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Forgiveness is the contagious virus of the kingdom. We need that virus to be caught in the kingdom again. Forgiveness is the contagious virus. As we forgive, we are forgiven. Let's get free. Keep each other free. Let's forgive as God has forgiven us. Amen. Let's go be. Let's go and do. God bless you this evening. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Thanks very much.